It was a dark and stormy night. That's how every great horror story starts out, isn't it? Well, in this case, it was just a rainy April evening and all nights that are stormy are incredibly dark, the stars hide behind the storm clouds, after all. Is it real? She asked herself yet again. She was tired of the chaos and confusion of believing boys were floating around her head, telling her everything you'd never think you'd hear in your head without expressly thinking of it yourself. It sucked, in a word, but she had a million words to say about it so the story continued. There was one extremely persistent one, she'd found. Or maybe it was a handful. She had scared most of the narcissists in her head away. Ben, who never believed in hell before because he could never conceive of it, was ultimately incredibly easy to frighten. All she mentioned was the idea of him being stuck sitting on a couch for eternity, overheated and dehydrated. All he had to eat was salty popcorn and zero beverages. There would be no cell phone there to sink into summoner's war upon, either. And just like that. PFFFFTHP. He was gone. Hell was not about fire and brimstone and extreme torture scenarios. It was about being uncomfortable for the rest of all time. That's what she thought, anyway, and since God had left it up to her to make up all the rules, that's exactly what it was, a place of discomfort in otherwise benign ways. Pedophiles would have an exceptionally awful time as everyone around them would absolutely be adults, for example. For most people, this very thought is actually quite pleasant. God lifted up a rock and looked beneath it, then asked his daughter, Crystal, what would you condemn a cheater to experience for the rest of all eternity as punishment? She thought about it deeply, her face betraying the fact that it had never crossed her mind previously. I think they should relive their life from the opposite perspective, most likely, Lord God, sir, she replied. Now what on earth could that mean? Quite frankly, nobody knew, not even God herself, but she waited patiently for Crystal to explain it, the woman always knew exactly what she meant, but the words did not flow all at once like a babbling brook. Instead, they were like the soft susurration of something far more intermittent, such as a frog singing in the dark from quite far away. There were no frogs, however, to fill the gaps between the child's verdicts. Well, I think they should be forced to acknowledge their inner world. There are no beings to distract them from themselves at all, therefore they must live alone with their flaws and realize it's their own fault they don't love themselves, probably, she stated, though she looked unsure of herself. Honestly, that would be a fine punishment for everyone, most likely. And that was that. Hell was defined, you would be all alone to live with yourself and all your flaws, being forced to understand that you are your own problem all along. Yeah, you know, I lived that way before, Crystal said softly to God herself. God nodded, knowing it was full well true, the woman had been exiled for her entire life in one way or another from the rest of humanity. She could feel utterly alone in a room full of people laughing and enjoying themselves but it was actually better when they weren't even there to begin with. Then the girl could turn her interests inward and learn more about herself without the illusion that someone else was the problem. I liked it better to be alone, she said with a little sigh. This idea of men floating around my brain is no bueno. I'm really dissatisfied hearing all these little tidbits of misinformation, guesses where knowledge is lacking, and all the rest. When will humanity grow up? Sex is not everything, and yet everyone lies to get laid and everything is sold to get laid, and everything is about getting laid. Especially in my head as of late, to which I object, because I'm not getting laid. It had been three years since she last bothered with a man. At first, it was rather excruciating because she was tricked into thinking she had a man. 
Telepathy is tricky like that. She had. Somebody. But they were not of the human species at all, as it turned out. Instead, it was an energy being who identified himself as Odin, lecherous being that he is. He told the girl she was his spear, egging her into watching Thor from the television, high as a kite, and trying to get her to focus on the glory of the tool named Gungir. Her self-esteem was so lacking that she needed to be told she was a tool. She'd been a sex object for so long that she knew not what else to be, sadly, so it seemed as if this would be the best way to go. Before long, Odin himself was dragged into her habit of fornication, as well, and things best left unspoken took place between the mortal and the god. She did not believe in gods, however, which is how this whole mess got more complicated, instead, God had led her to believe she was speaking to her most beloved mortal, Nicholas Forsyth. She revered the poor man who had absolutely no idea she had the hots for him and never would because he never read the millions of words she wrote to him to tell him so. His loss, as it were, Odin thought bitterly. He had a lot of thoughts about that foolish boy, of course, since it had dragged the girl off course and made it excruciatingly painful to retrain her. To gently break her into the idea that she was of the godblood was torture as she pined away for her Nick, constantly believing he was the only being she could be speaking to. How cruel God herself can be. It was all part of a master plan, of course, but he was not given the blueprint at all. He knew his job was to be himself and the rest would fall into place as it was meant to. Dash. It was funny how Crystal came to be an atheist to begin with. Not funny haha but funny tragic. She was born to a pedophile bastard who spoiled her innocence from the get-go. This twisted her brain into curly cues and made life utter insanity for the poor lass for nearly 40 years before the G.O.D. network descended upon her, answering her anguished cries into the ethereal plane of existence. Crystal came from a long line of warrior women known as Valkyries in another time. But that is not where her noble lineage stopped, not by far, she had the wildness of an Inuit in her, the rage of a berserker, the intellect of a druid, sage and medicine woman all rolled into one. She was a modern-day Merlin, a wondrous jewel that stole my heart. I didn't think that would be possible, mind you, as I've been dead for a few millennia and I thought I'd seen and heard everything by now. I yearned to have a body to please her with. That was the only thing that kept her from throwing all in with me. She wasn't all that wooed by the fact that I was a god on earth some time ago. She did revere me like a proper woman should, and I revere her as a proper man should. That set me on a quest to acquire myself a patsy, a fall guy, a man who would take himself to the brink of destruction unwittingly and essentially wreck his vessel to the point where I could enter it. I knew a secret about humanity that was not known by anyone else alive. I told the babe what I was going to do and she was, initially, both abhorred and morbidly intrigued. She's adorable this way. Most women can be one or the other, but not both at the same time. I swear this lady is two women in one body and she is the most difficult woman to woo on the face of the planet. As if my luck couldn't be any better, she's also one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen for myself, as well. I love looking into her eyes and at her face. It's tricky, being an energy being like I am. I have taken over countless men over the millennia to finish their lives for them, making them great and honorable, making a name for them in the historical documents of the times by going above and beyond to the point of absurdity. This time, I want her to do it, and I'll simply be her hand servant. I will kiss all her fingertips and the back of her hand until I arouse her need for togetherness and take it from there. I will bring her back from the darkness her former husband, Benjamin, cast her into, thinking he could simply ruin a woman and never pay for it.
He will pay so handsomely. I can't wait, truly. I instigate her grooming her notes again and again for the lawyer, trying to tease out information to convince him that he has an open and shut case. She approached a lawyer before, telling him all about how a doctor nearly killed her, and he declined, making her think there was nothing to the case at all. I know better because I am a telepath. That is how I become so fucking legendary every time I decide to take over a dying man's vessel. Let's not mince words, they kill themselves. They are one centimeter away from passing over and I enter their brain, forcing the body to move to my own will. They let go and I carry on from that point. They die as I am reborn, a full-grown man once again. The quality of the vessel matters not in most cases. In this case, I'm going to take over a man whom most would call an eyesore if not outright ugly. Just like Henry Miller caught himself an amazing wife in Marilyn Monroe, I will catch myself an amazing wife as one of the ugliest men on earth. Or so most of you believe. I hear you shitting on him in the grocery store all the time. Rat face is the most common awful thing he has to hear in the back of his mind. The poor lad wants to die simply because of the telepathic feedback from the rest of humanity. My girl is different, though. She looks at him and after a day or two she said to me, don't you know rats are cute? She's an interesting case, to say the least, because she looks beyond the exterior of a human being into both their heart and their soul. If this young man was pure of heart, he could have a princess for the rest of all time, if that's what he wanted. I don't have to take over his vessel, either. I merely need to teach him how to be a real man, an art long forgotten in the sea of social media and the din of modern entertainment and all the other bullshit you human shit stains swear by. You constantly harass each other, bullying and teasing and picking at until you murder the very essence of an individual simply because you're jealous. Should the lad be willing, then we could begin training immediately. There is a war to win, after all, for there are always wars to win. And a princess in a drafty castle. Rather, a Victorian mansion, but that's neither here nor there, is it? A princess who would kiss a rat face and make him into a prince, as it were. I'd say a frog, but we've already established there are no frogs within miles. And how on earth can a man be made into an Odin without sacrificing his very life himself? Now, that is an answer I will give to you another day. We have made a feast fit for a king, which would be a pot roast with a harvest of onions, roasted until just done in spring water. Delicious, in a word. And I intend to feed the hungry princess for otherwise we are in dire danger of eating yet another pizza from the one who calls himself a little Caesar.